You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Welcome to today's Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host for today. My name is Marie Ferguson and I'm the director and founder of Dietitian Connection. And it's my pleasure to invite Kate Wengia, the family dietitian, founder of Foost and veggie lover. Welcome to today's podcast, Kate. Hi, Marie. I'm just on your website and I love it. I know your your main message is eat colorful and certainly the website definitely reflects that. And I look forward to talking to you more about that in a minute. But could you please uh, maybe we could start with telling us a little bit about why you chose to become a dietitian. Sure. Well, it's actually a bit of a, I don't know, interesting story because it's never something I necessarily intended. Um, my mum worked in health promotion and they often say that you follow in your fer- parents' footsteps. And so when I finished school as a you know young 17-year-old, I had a look at all different kind of health promotion, allied health kind of um, uni degrees. And I really wanted to be a speechy, but uh, the course was about an hour's drive to my ha- from my house. So I decided to do something a little more close by. And uh, there was a nutrition, dietetics and health promotion double degree at Deakin that kind of appealed to me. So at a 20 minute drive, I uh, chose that instead and haven't looked back. Fascinating how some people um, get into dietetics. So, yeah, often it's not the first point of choice. Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely. So, after you graduated, what happened from there? Okay, so I actually graduated and was, oh, maybe seven months pregnant um, with my first child. And so it was quite fun. I was quite concerned that I wouldn't actually fit behind the desk of the, you know, sitting your exams. Mm -hmm. Um, But I suppose being in that position, it kind of changed what I thought. Um, I was never personally really suited to hospital dietetics. It just wasn't my thing. And I always had a love of health promotion. And so I decided to go straight into private practice, which I know is probably not ideal, but for the situation I was in, um, it kind of it kind of suited me. Um, my partner also owns a small business, so I got a lot of business mentoring from him. So that's kind of I just started straight away, just because it worked for my situation. And was that straight into Foost? Um, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was in a business called Food Forethought, okay. um, which oh, it's a great name with mm-hmm. an E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were so proud of that name. But as things changed, you know, we changed with it. And so we spent a few, I spent a few years being um, Food Forethought, then, then dropped um, one-on-one consulting and became um, Making Food Fun. And then about four years ago, rebranded into Foos when we decided to go into products as well. Um, and it's only been in the last couple of years since becoming Foos that, you know, I've been able to work more because my kids are all at school now. And so, you know, we hope to not have a rebrand in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so how did you come up with the idea, you know, to work in firstly in the kids space? Yep. Um, well, actually, I kind of believe that opportunities are everywhere. You've just got to have your eyes open for them. And um, what happened was I was actually 
doing, I was doing at the time, I've always be, loved presenting groups. I've always just loved that. And so at the time, I think I was running some stuff with gyms, incorporating one-on-one and group sessions. And my brother-in-law actually worked for the Taste of Tasmania down in, Queen, uh, down in Tasmania. And um, they were looking for someone to run kids' cooking classes. And he calls me up and he said, hey, Kate, there's a tender out to run some kids' cooking classes. You're a dietitian. You've got kids. At that stage, I had two. Um, He said, you should apply. And so, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. And so we applied for this thing thinking that we were tendering for it. So, oh, what's the odds you're going to actually get it? And so we got it. And so it was, I I think it was six classes a day for seven days. And so that really threw us into running kids cooking classes. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> and how did you come up with the name Foose? Was there is there a story behind that? Um, a little bit of a story. We actually um, went through, I think um, pe- probably people give, partners give different presents to different people and mine decided that when I wanted to um, make my business a little bit bigger, we're still making food fun. And so he bought me a present of some branding, some business branding, mm-hmm. you know. I've also in my past got, you know, a thousand pens. So some mm-hmm. people get flowers and I get a thousand pens yeah. with my business. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> Anyone listening, that's a birthday gift. <laughs> and, um, and so he actually gave me that. He'd done a bit of branding in his own business and, you know, you can kind of get a logo. You start with, you know, when I think our Making Food Fun logo, I actually drew it and then he made it into a computer, you know, a computer version paying, you know, $50 on the internet or something. And then he rebranded his business and used someone a little bit, you know, spent a little bit more money. And he said, Kate, with, with well, then it was Making Food Fun and we wanted to, to release some products. And he said, well, we want to look like the big guys, so we need to kind of pretend like we are them. And so as a gift, I got this branding re- logo kind of gift. And so we went to the branding people and we were looking at rebranding, making food fun. And they, they said, look, we don't want to rebrand this logo. Um, you know, they asked us if we were a car, what we'd be, and if we were a smell, what we'd be. And they said, we don't think this name suits your business. And so they came up with a whole lot of names and we chose Foose, which is kind of like a uh, a combination of boost and food and it was just really fresh and fun and different and the main thing was that in the nutrition space a lot of people have quite similar ish names it might have nutrition in it or bite in it or something like that which is great but we wanted to be different I always want to be different and create something new so we were advised just to make you know create this new world word so we could not be kind of defined by our name and create our brand. Because we were products and services, um, the brand and the logo was quite important because it was going on boxes and things like that. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing <laughs> sharing that. Um, and now, you know, you've come a long way since then. So what sorts of products and services do you offer today? Sure. So, um We have a range of different products and services that all fall under this eat colourful message. Um, I have quite strong messaging and also quite strong values. So we only release a product or a service if it fits this eat colourful message and our, our values. Um, and so we currently work across workplaces, schools, events, and um, 
events, um, what else, um, shopping centres. Um, I think they're our, our main runs, offering adult and kids cooking classes as well as smoothie bites. We also then have a range of products that also support this Eat Colourful message. So they kind of fall in a few different categories. Um, the first one is just in the kitchen. So we have a slinky apple machine and kids' knives. The second one is just brand new and it's at the table. And, in fact, I think it was about three days ago that we launched a range of um, environmentally friendly bamboo um, tableware for, for both kids and adults. It's really for families to help teach colourful and balanced eating. We also have some help with um, meal planning and shopping. So we have shopping bags with, you know, three with traffic lights on it. So when people are shopping to remind them to eat colourful. The same thing with the meal planner. It doesn't tell people what to eat at all, but it just reminds them to, to make sure or to try and get these three different colours at least on their plates. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We also have some trolley bags. Oh, and of course, um, we also sell smoothie bags um, because we're helping a lot of other people in health promotion do health promotion in a really interactive and fun way. Just sounds so much fun just hearing you talk about it, Kate. You have to talk oh, about it with books. such passion. <laughs> and our books, of course. So we also That's right. currently, yeah, I forgot that. Um, so we have one children's book. Um, I'm kind of really into the really into looking my real passion is in food education so in how we're teaching um, kids and I kind of believe that we need to teach more food than nutrition and so we have um, what's growing and also did a kickstarter for what if vegetables were people and what if fruits were animals so that we really start teaching kids about food from a really young age but in a really fun non-preachy non-pressure manner um, I'm also working on a kind of parents guide as well but that's a little bit down the track. <laughs> that needs a lot of graphic design. I was going to ask you about the Kickstarter later, but since you brought it up, um, you had a very successful Kickstarter program recently with, with those books. So can you give us any tips as to, um, you know, for those who want to do something similar, any words of wisdom? Uh, so firstly, it's one of the hardest things I've honestly done in my <laughs> life. Um um, just mentally, um, you kind of get prepared and then you think you're building a lot of excitement and you have, but those pledges don't really come into the last minute. Um, I think for me, um, planning is really, really important, but the biggest thing is to just get support from other people. And so um, I think I was really amazed, honestly, especially actually at the dietetic community, how they got behind it, how they shared it and how, and how yeah, I mean, heaps of people, heaps of people within, within our community bought it. So it was really the biggest thing for me out of that Kickstarter was not only getting the funding to do the books, but it was really the relationships I built. And a lot of these relationships are ongoing now and all the different things that will happen since that. So for people um, wanting to do that, you really need to make sure you're kind of got a mission you really believe in. It wasn't about a book. It was about food education and about us, you know, needing more things like this to educate our kids. So I think if you've got the right incentives, you just, you know, contact a lot of people and just keep telling them and keep telling them and keep telling them until the very end. That's great, Kate. And we just did a Facebook Live this morning actually and talked about, you know, having that passion, what's your why, what's your purpose? Yes. Um, and that really comes through on things like 
Kickstarter um, where you need that passion to come through for people to jump on board. And so congratulations to you. We know how difficult it is to do a Kickstarter program ourselves. Um, But I think. I think if we're talking about small business as well, um, I think you need that passion there too because, you know, running your own business, it's really rewarding but it's also really, really hard and I'm not sure on the hard days how you get up and keep doing it if you don't have that passion. Which brings me to my next question, which was about what are some of the important things you've learned about running a successful business? Um, Sure. So, I think – what I have learned in my time is that that thing that find what you love and do that. Um, I don't think if you if you don't believe in it, I'm not sure how you get others to believe in it. Um, in saying that, I think entrepreneurs can have the tendencies to have you know heaps and heaps of ideas, and I'm a little bit like that. And so you've really got to work out, you know, focus on a few things, give them enough time and persistence to see if they work. Because when you're trying to sell something new, you know, and you get no's all the time, no doesn't mean no, it just means not yet. And I think understanding that, but also understanding when you're so passionate about something to know when to end. So it's kind of know when to to push and to continue and to focus. You can have lots of ideas and be all over the place. And so I put all my ideas in what's called an icebox. So I have like a to-do list and then an icebox to-do list. And my icebox to-do list literally has hundreds of ideas in there that I'm going to hopefully do later. But for now, you've got to pick one or two things you can do with your time time. You've got to keep at it, but once it's not maybe your biggest, you know, but you've also got to review. So, let's say you're doing three things. You've got to have a look at those three things and what is bringing in the money. And so, I remember sitting in a business meeting a couple of years ago that I actually, I had to walk out of because we were reviewing first and the parts I wanted to spend the parts I loved doing weren't making any money and the parts that weren't my favorite were. And so, um, the people in the meeting, they were like, Kate, you need to focus over here or you won't have any money left to do what you love. And so, you know, I kind of freaked out for a bit, walked out, came back and said, okay, now we need to do what we need to do so I can raise enough money to go back and do these other ideas. So it's about having that passion, but, you know, but really kind of focusing it and then reviewing to see what's working and what's not. Those are all really great tips. Thanks for sharing those, Kate. I'm sure you've had some challenges along the way as well. How do you overcome those? Okay. Well, firstly, um, someone told me early on that thing I said before that no doesn't mean no, it just means not yet. And I actually have a really beautiful story about that. Um, There was once an events company that I knew we needed to work with. Um, And so, because a lot of, their name was just everywhere. And so I called these guys every three months for 18 months. (laughs) And after calling them every three months and just being nice, and it was never the wrong time. And so sometimes I thought the lady on the other end of the phone was rude. I now understand she wasn't rude. It just wasn't her priority at that point in time. Anyway, I I had a schedule and I just called her back every three months. After 18 months, that um, was the biggest sale we've ever made. Like not ever at that point. Um, so it was the biggest sale we've ever made just by calling her back. So this idea that no doesn't mean no, it just means not yet. But obviously there's a point where, you know, 
it's not worth your time. Um, I think the other thing too is I honestly believe that nothing is a mistake, it's just feedback. So while it can be really hard, and I remember, you know, when we did the Kickstarter, after a couple of days and it wasn't kind of going so well, we sat down and we said, okay, what is going well? What is not going well? What do we need to continue? What do we need to do? What can we learn from this? Mm -hmm. So every time you get, you know, a knockback, it's just, okay, what do I learn from this and what needs to change that I can improve and grow? And you learn much more from the mistakes and from the things that go right. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. You've talked a lot about um, different, I think, characteristics or traits that you need to have as a successful business leader or an entrepreneur. Are there other sort of essential personal attributes you think people need to have? Um, I think you need to be really determined, but you also need to be focused and really organized. Um, I mostly work just between school hours. And so, working out, being organized, I'm really into systems and organization. And as soon as you can afford it and as soon as something is systemized, delegate it to someone else. So, work out what is the best um, kind of, you know, what is the best, how can you best spend your time? You know, I just had quite a hard conversation that, you know, I'm very friendly to everyone who emails me and I, I can't give them so much support at the moment because I just don't have time for it. And so, it sounds really mean and I need to be nice, but I don't need to, you know, and so, you've got to work out what is your time and what is your priorities and be really, um, really organized. You also have to have quite a thick skin. And so go, you know, with those, with those mistakes, you've kind of got to go, oh, well, that, that didn't go so well. Or, you know, I got this bad feedback from this person or this happened, but you've just got to, you know, I often have a moment to whinge and then I pick myself back up and keep going Mm -hmm. and just, um, yeah. And I think that focus and that time is just really important. And I think also on optimism, like it might not work now, but it will work. Great tips. Thank you, Kate. Um, and I, you know, I know by working with you and looking at your website and things like that, that you, I think you do amazing at marketing and advertising. Like where do you, where have you learned that? Um, well, firstly, very interestingly, we don't do any advertising. Mm-hmm. So I don't, or I don't do any paid advertising. That's mm-hmm. just how I've set it up. So I always swap, um, products or services or, um, you know, sometimes I will speak in an event for nothing because they'll give me a stall or something like that. So trying to, you know, in small business, money is quite precious, but I mean, also is time, but what can you kind of trade off and how can you partner together? I think this, and when you partner with someone, there's got to be something in it for both people. Um, so where have I kind of learned what I've learned? Um, Firstly, as I said, um, my partner is <clears throat> was running a small business for like 10 years before me, so I get a lot of tips from him. Um, when I was first starting out, I went to the most local governments have kind of business networks and often women's business networks, so I went to like every event I could, maybe once a month um, when I was starting out because they have great just free, t- uh, like not free, maybe $20 talks of um, marketing and time management and, and that. I even started going to other councils <laughs> and going to theirs because it was a really good source of information but also of other kind of um, women or people in the local area in business. Um, for me, I like live things. Um, and so that's what I tend to know. I know a lot of people like, you know, early on I did read a few books, but now I'm struggling with time. So I quite like going to things. Um, now I'm a little bit more kind of choosy with my time. Um, but also I'll read articles. Um, so yeah, just kind of 
anything you see that might help you, just read it, write down top tips. You know, from working with me, you know that we had a phone conversation and I kind of wrote out a to-do list from that. And so, you know, take notes on things, pick the top two things that you're going to do out of a book or out of out of a lecture you go to because you can't do everything, but you can do a couple of things. Um, but starting with your local government is really, really, I found that really helpful. And I learned heaps of marketing and everything through that. Um, as well as business mentors, sorry. Um, yeah. And often um, that's often, you know, it might just be someone you know. It might also be, I think the council again offer or mine does offer mentoring as well. Um, I think Small Businesses Victoria offers it as well. There must be stuff in other states. Yeah, definitely. And you've your business has grown quite significantly over the years. And, has. you know, now you're across multiple states. So how do you manage that growth process and, and look to expand into other states? Um, so because I'm like crazy on systems, so I have like like – to the point that, you know, I do my washing. So not my personal life as well as my professional <laughs> life. I do my washing on certain days um, because otherwise I know my kids will run out of um, uniform on a certain day. So I'm pretty, you know, I meal plan. Um, and I think you need to be really organized in your business as well. And so <clears throat> we are really, really organized. And so now an event in um, <clears throat> Queensland to us is very similar to an event in Victoria because we just follow our systems. And so we have, we just, we either fly staff up or we find staff locally. Um, every time we go out to a new area, we might fly some Melbourne people there, but we will then work with the local community um, where we're just doing some stuff up in Sunshine Coast now. And so we contacted um, the uni there to find some local people. And so we just kind of follow the system that we've made, um, but in different states. And now it doesn't really make too much of a difference. Um, the first one, we do have to do a little bit more work. But once we've done it once, we then have a pool of people from that area that we then use to do the next one. So totally just having systems. <laughs> systems is definitely key. Are there other habits that you have that contribute um, to your success, do you think? I think the fact that I'm willing to like – you know, you just got to jump in. So we, you know, the first event, I think the fact that my first event wasn't in my state really helped. And, and so, um, um, I mean, I knew, I knew lots of I knew some people in Tasmania, so that helped, but I went down there having never run a cooking class committing to, um, six a day, seven days. I think we saw 700 kids in that mm. first week. Wow. We, I bought 24 IKEA bowls and we would run and wash them before the next class. Um, it took me two years to realize I should buy enough bowls for a whole day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we would save the literal stress of somebody of a class about to start and somebody like literally running back with it, with our bowls. And so I think you need to just have that. Sometimes you need to, of course you're planned, but sometimes you need to just jump in there and do that. And so, you know, and, and choosing where you need to jump and where it's not worth your time to jump is also really important. But I do have like, you know, I'll, I'll pick up an event somewhere and I'll go, yeah, I'll make that work or I'll go there myself or things like that. So 
I think that just giving things a chance, I'm not really that scared to take a chance. And I think that's really important. Sometimes you do things and, you know, maybe it will work out and maybe it won't. And it takes a little bit of courage that, you know, if this works out, it'll be great. And if it doesn't, well, that's just a lesson I learned. And and maybe, you know, a few people will look at it and go, oh, that wasn't great. And I'm a perfectionist. So I don't, I don't really love that. But these are the risks you have to take. So I think, yeah, being organized, but also just giving things a go. Yeah. I think it's just jumping in, isn't it? And you're scared to death, but you just figure it out. Scared to death. And then the more you get like, I think the more established in the beginning, I think you need to jump quite a few times to work out where you need to jump and where you don't. Um, now we have really strong, the other thing we have is Foost has very, very strong values. And so now I look at an opportunity and I say, does this fit our values? And if it doesn't, I don't actually do it anymore. In the beginning, I might have, but now I don't necessarily. So I think you've also got to work out what's important for your business and what is a good jump for your business. Because sometimes you can jump in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. and it might lead you down a new path, which might be great, but it might not be the path you want to go down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started having to be careful of all the opportunities we were were offered sometimes. And it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you have to say no because – It's like when I was still doing one-on-one consulting, I had to make the decision to not do that anymore because it was quite easy to say, oh, I could just get $100 by doing this. But every time I did that, I knew that's what I didn't, I didn't want to be doing that. So every time I went and did that, it was time away from what I wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be a little bit careful at that. So I do think you need to jump and don't be scared to jump as long as it's in the direction you wanted to be going for. So for me, honestly, this opportunity I got in Tasmania basically led to everything I've done since. So if I had done that and I had a two-year-old at home that I left, like I'd never spent a night away from my kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, um, but it is honestly led, it was such a learning experience and it's led to everything that has come since. Yeah, that's great because I often um, meet, New graduates, for example, and they some are really clear on what they want to do, and some don't have any idea, and they're worried about that. But that just shows that you know opportunities can come your way and lead to a whole career and business. Yeah, when I was running Food for Thought in the very beginning, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea that kids cooking classes was something I wanted to. I I knew I kind of liked health promotion and I knew I liked group sessions and that was about it. Mm. (laughs) And I know you've got four kids at home yourself. So how do you manage to, you know, do all of that? It's really hard. Um, I am getting much better at just time management. Like I said before, um, I also have made a few rules. Business has now started to probably this in this last year since my littlest went to school. It sounds funny, but business has started to impinge a little bit on my home on my home life, and so I have been lucky enough that I've been able to delegate and I um, and, and hire a couple of staff. Um, I'm traditionally a perfectionist and I don't like delegating things, um, but I'm learning that I just have to. I just have to let mm-hmm. people do things because I can't do it all. Yeah, you don't um, have a I've, choice. I don't have a choice. If you want to grow, if you don't, mm-hmm. that's fine. And you have that choice too. You can stay 
in, you know, I think people always think you need to grow, you need to grow. Well, if you want to, you mm. can, but if you're happy with it where you are and it's doing you well, you don't have to. For me, I really like, you know, I just want to get the first measure bigger and wider and I like hiring staff. I like being able to hire, you know, nutrition graduates and dietitians and support and have volunteers and, and put back like that. Um, but now I have to be really conscious of my time. So, I have, in fact, just this week made a decision that I'm only going on social media half an hour a day um, <laughs> unless I'm doing something. So today I'm actually doing something on social media. So I'm a bit, but I'm, I've put a time frame. It's when my kids are asleep. I'm trying to not, I actually deleted um, a lot of apps off my phone. I try not to check my emails when I'm with my kids. So I try to, um, you know, I take them to I take them to school in the morning. I don't I don't check in in the morning. Um, I read somewhere to you know try not to do social media first thing in the morning. So I like try to get up. Um, then I send them to school. Then um, um, I come back and I, I start my work day. I then end my work day or break my work day when I get them. And again, I try really hard not to answer my phone or do anything. And then once they go into bed, I go back to work. So I'm trying to be very quiet quite kind of, for want of a better word, harsh with my time mm-hmm. and working out when I'm doing what. And and one of the things I suppose I'm working on very hard at the moment is when I am at work, what's the best use of my time? Um, because I don't, I kind of want to be in a zone, in a home zone or a work zone, because for a long time for me, they've been very intertwined and I'm trying to just, you know, be with my kids or be at work and be where I am kind of thing. Yeah. So, it's that mindfulness too, isn't it? Just being in the present wherever you are. In the present, and yeah. I used to think, oh, if someone you know <clears throat> emails me, I need to get back to them within two hours. And although that would be brilliant, you know, it, it's sometimes um, just not possible. And I have to just realise that that's okay. You know, people from three o'clock, you leave a voice message, and um, I'll get back to you at nine fifteen the next day, and mm. that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm trying to get clients to go straight to the person they need now. So. Um, you know, um, Jess and Nina are in the office. So as much as I can get people not coming to me with everything and going to them, then it works really nicely as well. Sounds great. Now we know you're a veggie lover, but is there anything, another interesting fact about you? Um, I was thinking about this um, and it came back to food. But the thing I was Mm. thinking about is actually, um, and there's a lot going on in my life of why I'm thinking about this, but my family is actually – Holocaust survivors and so there's not many of us here Mm. and I was just thinking about how food changes and how we talk and how the way we talk to people about food changes Mm. and so growing up um, I actually had a and this is sorry a bit morbid but I actually had an auntie who died of starvation in the war she was Mm. only two years old Mm. and so that very much impinged kind of impacted on the way my my grandma and my dad fed us Mm. and so the messaging was all always you know eat up, eat up, you know, we were so spoiled because they had this, you know, what they'd been through was just horrible. Mm. And my dad used to say, eat everything on your plate. You don't know when your next meal is coming from. And so it was kind of this thing. And one day, um, one day I said to my dad, "Um, dad, that's no longer true. Like I know that's where you came from, but it's no longer true in our lives. And I think in dietetics and nutrition, we always need to be thinking about what's right for people now in the moment they're in with, you know, all the commitment they've got and what's going on in their life and, you know, what, you know, their food security or insecurity and all of that and keep, you know, changing and growing and adjusting based on what 
life is like at the moment. And I know it was a random interesting fact, but yeah. it, it just got me thinking about, and I even think of my own journey into, into dietetics and how, um, you know, I'm moving some blogs across um, from making food fun and from food forethought still into foods. And some of them I'm not even moving because I don't even believe the, what I was saying back there anymore. And so it's okay to change mm-hmm. and evolve and, and do that with our, with our clients and people as well. Mm. Great messages to end on, Kate. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you today. What's the best right. way for people to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, so obviously check out our website, www.foos.com.au and across social media at foos.com.au. Um, and email is my best, kate at foos.com.au. And it's like food and boost put together. So F-O-O-S-T. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of your learnings from running a successful business over many, many years. I know lots of people out there will be listening and um, taking great advantage of that. So thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to chat to you today. Thanks for having me, Marie. Thanks so much, Kate. No worries. Thank you as well to all the listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, we love receiving your feedback and also would love to hear what you think of the show. So if you could leave a review for us and also pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends, it would be much appreciated. Thanks again and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. Podcast.